Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we're back after an unprompted hiatus last week that, believe it or not, was not driven by Tottenham Hotspur, but, you know, if we were available, it might have been. So, in any case, we're back to talk about one good game and also the end of our season. So, um, there's a lot to talk about this week. Joining us uh, from... The concrete jungle of East Atlanta. It is Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing this week? I'm just really fixated on the unprompted hiatus. Did you mean impromptu hiatus? Like, what was? Where Probably. were we going with that? Yeah, you know what? Let's start this recording over again so people don't hear that. <laughs> no. I can't thought... start. You just can't start it over when someone makes fun of you, Craig. <laughs> You're right. We wouldn't. We would never get anything recorded on here if I did that. Yeah. No. That would. That would be. That would be. That would be correct. So. I mean, is unprompted technically like that incorrect? He makes a good point. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird thing to say. Yeah. I mean, but that's Greg. So. Thanks. I think. Um, Sorry, I didn't come to work this week. I took an unprompted. Hiatus. Exactly. Exactly. Look, just because I'm, uh, you know, that mob ball. Boss's son on The Sopranos doesn't mean <laughs> I have no value on this podcast. You can't engage in anti-Italian discrimination on this show yet. Yeah, I think can. that's all this show is going to be is anti-Italian discrimination <laughs> from now until the end of the season, at least. Are you going to yeah, introduce me, thinking, or how do you want to do this? Linguist, we, we are linguist Spalletti, so that could continue next season, apparently. So, you know, it could be just our new sort of state of default state of being. Could be. So are we introducing Brian? Or yeah. Are we yeah. Yeah. Hey, coming to us from the slopes of uh, <laughs> the unprompted slopes of South Florida. It's Brian Ashlock. Brian, how, how, how did you cope with the last week and a half of Tottenham Hotspur football? Um, I did a lot of unprompted stuff. Um, and a few impromptu things. That's good. And, That's good to know. <laughs> and yeah, you know, um, not all of it related to skiing, but some. So, you know, lots of good times were had. Well, let's start out on the high note or as close to the high note as we're getting. Tottenham had a pretty comfortable 3-1 victory over Nottingham Forest at New White Hart Lane. Uh, this game, I got to say, uh, for all the other things I've complained about, this team this year and frankly this week uh, I would like to to thank Tottenham for an incredibly comfortable 90 minutes of football that was it was nice not to be stressed even when we had a bullshit like VAR call chalk off a really good goal it was I can't believe we didn't make that harder work than we did because we have a tendency to play down to our opposition and I know Forrest are bad but even still, that was uh, it was I, I don't know. It was, it was a fairly comprehensive beating. I thought we played really well. Even uh, players like Richarlson sort of thrived in roles they haven't necessarily thrived in this year. Uh, Brian, was it 
What, what was your main takeaway from this match, if you had one? Uh, I mean, the main takeaway for me was that we can be good and fun and interesting, and we somehow choose not to be. Um, I think uh, that's kind of like the glass half empty approach to it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, it was it was just nice to see us trying stuff and to see. Um, you know, Poro playing well and Richarlison playing well and um, Skip looking good. Like it was just it was just a nice performance. Like you said, a comfortable win against a really bad team that, you know, we we have in the last couple of weeks had games like that that we've made much more difficult than they need to be. They played us really hard early in the season when we played Forest. Um and, and they they really didn't do that this time, which I thought was really weird. Like they just did it. They we had so much time and space on the ball. Like you know, in the the fourth or fifth minute, whenever that Richarlison goal happens, like Oliver Skip has so much space to play that pass. Like I mean, and then and then Richarlison has so much space to run into. Um, they were just really bad, but we also like we made them look bad. Um, we were doing stuff. It wasn't like they were just being completely unengaged or completely passive in the game. Like we were, we were forcing them into mistakes. Let's pull on that thread a bit. Ben, uh, was this more Tottenham being good or Forest being bad? So it's hard to separate really the two because I think Brian's right that we were good and our goodness made them not be able to do things, but also they start from such a position of being bad that allowed us to do those good things in the first place that it's a real chicken and egg. But, uh, you know, leaving their quality aside as a, as a squad, you know, I thought we played well and we played effectively and we tried things and, you know, we saw creativity from a lot of spots on the pitch that we don't always see that. Um, you know, we saw Richarlison, playing for surprisingly for Kuliszewski instead of Sun. Um, you know, even though they've both been poor, Richarlson hasn't really looked good on the right side of the pitch at all this season. Uh, suddenly looked great. I mean, probably his best performance for us, I think I would say. Um, and, you know, after the midweek banter with Antonio, um, it was nice to see him come out and, and, and put that performance in. But yeah, I, I mean, Nobody played particularly poorly. Um, you know, it's not quite as comfortable a victory. We tried to throw it away in stoppage time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Big Frage uh, saved that penalty by accident. And, well, uh, I think Fraser has been, like, I don't know if I'd say an upgrade on Lloris. I don't think Frazier has been as bad as we all thought he was going to be. Like, I think he's, he's been fucking been, terrible. He's been like, the worst so. goalkeeper I, I've seen. I, I don't really agree with that time. at all. I think there's certain things like he doesn't get to the ground fast. And that's like a problem. He doesn't get to the ground. He doesn't command his box. He can't parry oh, shots. I disagree about commanding his box. I think uh, maybe it, we are the just, goal. The goal that he conceded, he like went charging for a corner that he was never going to get to. And they had a tap in that he would have saved had he stayed on his line. I'm, I'm, I'm not hearing this. He's been uh, so bad. Well, you know, 
I'm going to side with Ben on this. Oh, and God. it's it's funny because I, I listened to the extra inch this week and they were all very effusively praising the job that Forster's done and how he's been so steady and he's a seven and a half, out, seven or a seven and a half out of ten every week. And I'm like, man, you know, I they're watching a different game than I am. Like, I, I agree with them. Like, I mean, maybe not to that extent, but like certainly there's a level at which. And again, a lot of this, I think, comes from we have extremely low expectations for this guy. And I think he is, at least for me, surpassing those low expectations. But I do feel more comfortable when, like, there's a bunch of guys going up for the ball and he's in the middle of it. Like, at least sure. more so than I did with Larice. I mean, he does make some decent diving saves. And his distribution is an improvement, I think. Yeah, and, and look, the, the the point of the match isn't that he's bad. Like, that, you know, whatever. Um what I did want to touch on from what Ben said was uh, the Richarlison playing on the right thing. And I I thought it was interesting because he was good in kind of different ways than how he's been good in, you know, the, the Chelsea and the West Ham games um, where he was like busy and he was in those games, he's busy and he's just beating up on people and, and, and uses of himself. And in this game, he was actually doing some uh, like create lifting in a way that he hadn't before. I mean, the 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 sun goal. He plays two really good crosses in quick succession. Like the first cross, which he hits like I think first time on the move, and that whirl I think is is who cuts it out. Like that's an amazing cross and skill. Like if the, like. Like that was so much better than the second cross he played, which Sun actually scored from. Which and the second cross he played like outside of the boot to curl into Sun. Like, like he did some actual good creative stuff, which I think we really haven't seen from him this year. He was he was taking defenders out of plays without putting his shoulder through their chest. I mean, he was doing a really good job. And I I don't really want to get another discussion of VAR because it was bullshit, but. That goal that was chalked off, that was incredible. Like, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I feel like we've been missing from him, from a lot of our players, frankly, all year. I mean, between the skip pass that got to him and the way he took that chance was he uh, very impressive. The shit it out was of it, so Mike. good. I couldn't believe that went into the net. Uh, the one time narrative doesn't work in favor of like drama at Spurs because that would have been. The absolute perfect narrative, given his comments midweek. Oh, no, I think I think it getting chalked off for offside was even better for the narrative, honestly. Just like him doing to Antonio Conte and then and then having it overruled so that Antonio Conte, in a way, was still right about him being shit is I think is funnier for narrative purposes. Yeah, and then he got to you know set up the equal or the the third goal and feel like it was he kind of got the final say. Yeah, he won the penalty like, for you know. Yeah, he was man of the match. I mean, and I don't think that's undeserved. So it is because Pedro Porro was playing, but we can get Pedro Porro is always the man of the match. <laughs> let's let's be clear about that. Uh, that's actually a good thing because I, I think he's maybe the one of the few players who you know comes out of the entire week looking pretty good because I thought he was good against Milan. I thought he was good against Forrest. Um, I think there's still some concerns about his defense, but, I mean, he's still acclimating to England. He's still acclimating to the team. But just having a guy like that who got up the field, who can 
make those plays, make those sort of creative decisions. Like I, you can, I think you can see the difference it makes in this lineup. Like, I mean, there's, there's all of a sudden there's another option and a threat down the right that just hasn't been there all season. I mean, there's a couple of balls that he delivers into the box for, for Kane to attack that like just nobody else on our team plays like no other fullback that we have is a in that position. And then B once in that position can make that delivery and just add something different. And I think if you have some, some amount of creativity from that position, some amount of, of, of shot creation, uh, then you can play a Richarlison there and he doesn't have to shoulder the same creative burden that like Kulisevsky does. Uh, And and you can make that work. Uh, And, you know, he's, He's a great wingback. I think in this system, he's he's interesting and he's creative and he 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 does stuff. And I can live with him, you know, not uh, you know getting dribbled past or or not winning tackles or whatever. Like that's it's not really why he's out there, um, you know. So so I'm I'm not I, I'm not that concerned about his defensive ability. Like. It needs to improve, and it sure. might get punished against better opposition. But like, it didn't against Milan, and like, Rafael Leao like killed us in the first leg, um, and like wasn't. I mean, I know they, you know, had a one 0 lead and weren't really trying that hard, but they didn't really pose us any problems um, in that match. It was just a dog shit match. So, you know, maybe he's got it, and maybe in games where he is less aggressively camped in the uh, other team's final third because they're so bad. Um, you know, we'll see him playing a little more defense. But, yeah, for a game like this, I am absolutely not bothered. And especially when he's got Romero behind him and not Davins and Sanchez or Jaffa Tanganga mopping up behind him. You know, I think we're in a much better situation than, than we might be otherwise. I mean, if all he does is turn us into flat-track bullies – like that's an improvement. Like if we're just like, if putting him in there helps us hammer the shit out of bad teams, which is something we have not done. I mean, we picked up results against bad teams, but frankly, none of them have been as not many of them have been as convincing as they should have been. If, if all he does is fix that, then it's worth it. I think. Um, but you know, it's also, this guy's been here for like a month and a half or something. It's, you know, I, I see no reason you look at what he could do in the final third. And I see no reason to not be encouraged, um, you know, and think that, there's room for improvement here, and it's, you know, I know he costs a lot of money, but it's exciting. I think he's a really exciting player. And I mean, he's pulling off shit in the final third, that, especially with the way Kulishevsky's played this year. We just haven't seen a whole lot of. And both him and Richarlson were doing it on, um, on, on Saturday. And, yeah, a lot of that probably has to do with Forrest being dog shit. But it's still, you know, we it's not like we, you know, we played like crap against Sheffield United, so... Right. At this point in like the Tottenham story, <laughs> playing good against bad teams is not a given. We played so bad against so many bad teams that like let's let's take the W's while we can. Absolutely. I you know, and I just want to say to Tottenham, if you want to send us on more scouting trips to the Mediterranean, we're all up for it. Uh, you know, I think I can speak for all of us just saying like we are here to help. Yeah, I mean Portu- uh, Portugal notably 
on the Mediterranean. So, um, you know, some uh, of it, some of it is, I think maybe I'm not, I'm not sure any of it is, but, oh, uh, well. <laughs> but Close enough. look, we're, we're about talent identification, not geography. See, thank so you. Thank you. It's fine. Maybe they can send us to other Mediterranean locales, like, I don't know, Denmark or I was thinking Celtic. We could go scout this coach. They've got at Celtic, you know? Yep. You know, uh, I mean, we were we came away from Portugal very impressed by Ruben Amarim. So maybe whatever the fuck his name, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. You know, honestly, that would be like really good karma for you. Like just if we had Ange, what's his name, Pastacoglu or whatever. Like watching if you. We go try get to him. Do... If we go get him and the keeper from Valencia, like. I'm... Yeah, we, <laughs> I, mean, I just need you to try to do those names every week. That's it. <laughs> Everyone's like, whatever happened to their names. podcast? And we'd be like, well, we just couldn't pronounce any of the names anymore. <laughs> uh, do we have to talk about the other games now? I think we do. Um, so we had a pretty, like I said, it was a really comfortable comfortable performance against against uh, Forest, which was nice because we had not played very well for the rest of the week. Uh, we had an embarrassing nil-nil draw, which meant our elimination from the Champions League against Milan. And then a really ugly 1-0 loss against Sheffield United. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of excuses for losing either of these games. Um, well, maybe. Don't forget the uh, Adama Traore defeat uh, oh, against Wolves. God, I had. That's I had just some forgotten. terrible goalkeeping from Fraser Forrester where he yeah, pounded the ball was... straight back up the middle. Yeah. Just for the record. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't defend him on that one. Uh I swear to God, I feel like we're the only team that Triari that Adama scores against. I swear to God he doesn't score against anyone else. No, I think he's only ever scored like two or three goals. So we're like oh. one of the few. God, I hate him so much. Um Yeah, no, we're we're not playing well. Uh where we had not been playing very well. And speaking specifically about the I, I guess let's start with Milan. Um you know, this isn't a terribly revolutionary opinion, but, you know, you come into that game down 1-0, you're at your home ground. Milan is a team that is going to pack it in defensively and give you room to work. And we just came out looking, I mean, there was just no adventure. There was no, you know, uh, just no risk-taking. And it was like, I don't know what the fuck we were trying to do. Like, I don't know why you're just not coming out at Milan. I understand, you know, they have a couple, you know, like, Leal can burn you. They've, you know, Hernandez is really good going forward. But at the same time, like, this is not, you know, fucking peak Atletico Madrid. I mean, this is a team that you should be able to, like, take a swing at. And we just didn't even try in the first half. And then, you know, we finally put together some good play in the second half and we bring Poro on. And, you know, Romero gets sent off and that's the game right there. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It was... The lack of adventure is just so inexcusable to me. I mean, that you just approach this game so conservatively. I don't know what the fuck Conte was thinking. Like, well, I think it's understandable from like a, an overall like game management perspective to come out and just like see what happens in the first half. Like, you know, look, you because it's only one nil, and because you are at home, you don't have to go like you know all out. Like, you can play that your normal game and and see where that that gets you but because the game plan that we had was 
so boring, was so lacking in adventure. Like it was it it it, it just made it so much worse. Like, I mean, I think in a game in a we're we're down one nil in the tie, and I think we ended up in the game with like what, like seven shots total, two on goal, and like one of them comes in stoppage time in the second half. Like that's that's a completely unacceptable performance in a in a in a tie where you need at least one goal to force extra time and two to advance. Like the the fact that you come out there and are that passive for that long um, is I mean, it just seems like criminally negligent. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. Like I said, I understand, you know, playing your natural game and, you know, seeing what you can force them into. But like you also have to play a little bit front foot. Like you, you I, there's, I think there's a real difference between like, let's take 15 to 20 minutes and feel this game out. And what we did in the first half, I think there's a real sure. difference between that. Cause I think coach Tino did that a lot when we were a very good team. It was like, you know, real, there was a, there was a lot of sort of like feeling other teams out for the initial stages of the game where we didn't look all that great. And then, you know, around the 20, 30 minute mark, we really, you know, really turned the screws on them. And that's not what was going on here. It was just like, you know, oh, maybe we'll get in the box and Harry Kane will do something. But even then, it was just like, you know, passing it around against the Milan team that was happy to let us have the initiative. So it's like, you know, it's not like we're playing like Barcelona, you know, in 2011, who are just passing the ball back and forth to each other and not letting us have it. Like, you know, we could have tried shit. And I understand a level of concern because you don't want to get hit on the break or something. But like, come on, this isn't that. This was just... I, I mean, with all the feelings around the club, with the way we just went out of the FA Cup, like, a few days before, like, I just, it's an inexcusable game plan to me. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the FA Cup game, like, especially knowing that you went out of that competition, which which was set up really well for you to win, and you went out with a whimper, basically, and playing 11 guys that are not your first choice. Then you put out a mostly, a, a, a full-strength team against this Milan and then just do nothing. It, it is, is just insane. Like, look, and, you know, Milan are fine. They won the Scudetto last year. They, they've got some good players. You already touched on Leao and Teo Hernandez. And I think Tamori's really good. And their keeper's really good. But, like, top to bottom, they're not a better team than Spurs. I just, they're just not. And and we made them look like they are. And and, and they're, they're not good, particularly good this year. Um, I, I don't know. It was just... It was probably after that game and then in consideration of the way we'd looked in the two previous matches, like that was probably as low as I I've been as a Spurs fan this year. And then you add in the Conte Richarlison stuff and it's just like, this is, this is completely untenable now. Like any, any thoughts that any of us had that like, Oh, we can, we can do some stuff and we can save the season. And like, yeah, we can still finish fourth. And then Conte will be back for next year. Like it, that's gone. It's done. Like, uh, it, well, I think he might've saved his job with the forest result, but Ben, I mean, it's a, like, I'm glad Spurs didn't ruin my weekend again on Saturday by beating forest. Um, and we got very lucky with, you know, Liverpool follow, following up a seven nil hammering of man U with a, pointless loss to Burnmouth like 
that's the kind of thing we do. That's not the kind of thing other things other teams do for us. Um, but like, it should have been season over after that week. After getting knocked out of the FA Cup, knocked out of the Champions League, and losing it to Wolves, like that should have been it. Like we should have been kind of dead and buried for the season. And you know, I, I'm glad that we beat Forest, and I'm glad that we've given ourselves a pretty good lifeline to keep us in pole position for for Champions League qualification, but, like, where was that response in any of the previous games? Like, we've been just on such a slide for so long. Just Like Brian said, the CSCO to that Milan game after getting knocked out by a Sheffield United um, and not have a shot on target until the 65th minute of the game is just, like, how is that? You're a professional athlete. like, leaving aside everything that Conte is doing wrong, which is many things, how are you not, like, putting more of yourself out there to just take a swing at a team that's had a pretty mediocre season. Um, well, a team that plays in a way that'll let you take swings. Like, right. It's, you know, but they were happy. To, they just surrendered everything to us and we just didn't take shots. So, yeah. you know, the whole experience has just been very blah and very disheartening. And like, yeah, it's a great to be Forrest, but like kind of, so what at this point? Well, and it's just like two weeks ago, we we beat the crap out of Chelsea, you know. The week before or the week before that, we beaten West Ham handily. Like we, you know, the Leicester matches in there and the first leg of the Milan matches in there. But we 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 also beat Man City. Like we have been pretty good recently. Like and then so Stellini was in charge. Yeah. Well, but I mean, Stellini was Stellini in charge of wolves, some of these so. matches. You know, <laughs> and Sheffield. Like, yeah. You know, like the the the. The Sheffield match, the the Wolves match, like it's just I don't know. I I understand that Conte plays a certain way and and by us having him as manager, we're kind of like married to that style and and his methodology. But like, you know, we all when when he came in after we'd had Mourinho and after we'd had Nuno, we were all like, oh, you know, Conte isn't a, just like a defense first manager. Like, look at this inter team. The inter team scored lots of goals. They were fun. They had Lukaku. They had Lautaro. They did stuff. They were fun. They were cool. And then, like, the first three or four months that he was in the job here at Spurs, like, we did stuff and we were fun and we were cool and we were scoring goals and Son and Kane were doing stuff. And now it, it's not that. It just sucks and it's boring and we. Um, you know, we we cede possession to teams and we 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 sit off them and we let them dictate how the game goes. And, you know, I, I hate the idea of kind of like big club, small club mentality type stuff. But like. That's kind of what this is right now, like this is like small club type mentality, like, you know, if you're a big club and you go to Sheffield United in the fifth round of the FA Cup, like you should be going out there and kicking their ass. And I understand, you know, like we, we rotated and, you know, we, we, we did some, but like all of the players that we put out there with probably the exception of Lucas Moore uh, are better than every player that has ever played for Sheffield United ever. Um, And I don't know, maybe there's somebody in the sixties that I don't know so about, Jack but I'm Yelka. sticking. <laughs> um, 60s try like the 1860s, but yeah. You know, Bill like Jaggy Elka, that's your guy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, you know, I, I just like, I, I just, 
it's it's beyond frustrating because we've seen us be good and it hasn't even been that long ago that we were good and fun and interesting and then we did it again this weekend and it's just like what what's the thing like is it is it is it fitness is it mentality like what is it like i i don't understand what it is with this team well and it's almost like the milan and sheffield matches i feel like really offer both sides of the problem because like the milan matches where like i get angry at the coaching staff and like there's no initiative there's no inventiveness there's no experimentation it's just like the same state old bullshit they used to expect to work the sheffield match a lot of people complain about rotation but like you said brian like that team should have won that match maybe not as convincingly as if we started harry kane and all that other shit but like we should be able to go out there and impose our maybe not impose our will with that team but we should be able to win that match with at least some level of comfort and you know it's just it's it's a fucking clown show every time, and it's, so it's like it's not like this team doesn't have some sort of mentality because they've dug their dug themselves out of holes all season, but they also, you know, dig those holes for themselves, and you know they, you have matches like this. So I don't know, like I've seen a lot of people who defend Conte on Twitter be like, well, what do you expect him to do with these players? And it's like I don't necessarily expect him to like get performances out of them like we had last year, but I expect a little bit more than this. And I don't know, maybe there are players who need to get shipped out, but I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Cause I don't think you need to liquidate ha- the entire roster, but, but I like, also think maybe, the coaching staff is not getting the most out of them. So, but like, why is Lucas playing when yeah, Dan Juma exists? Yeah. And like, I understand that like Dan Juma is on loan, but like we have an option to buy Lucas is expiring contract at the end of the season. There's there's no incentive to play Lucas. We know what Lucas is. Are you telling me this at whatever, however old he is, 29, 30, 31. I, I don't know. I'm not going to look it up. I don't care. Um, is You're telling me that he's better than Dan Juma, a guy who scored what, like seven goals in the Champions League last year. Well, this is the other thing I hate about Conte is like, I, like, okay, Dan Juma is not like the perfect guy for your setup. Like, tough shit. Like, I don't know the process that led us to getting him, but frankly, the 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 price we got him for, like, and what we needed in terms of attacking depth, like, Conte should be like, yeah, I'll fucking figure out how to use him as a backup for the rest of the season. Like, this is not. I th- again, there's problems if like Conte told the front office, I'm not fucking using him unless everyone else is dead. But, like, frankly, Conte shouldn't be turning his nose up at this guy. And it's like, uh, that's the fucking problem with having this guy as our manager. It's like, unless they are exact to his specifications, he's not using them. And I'm sorry, he's not fucking Pep Guardiola where, you know, we're getting results in play that sort of, okay, it's so good, you've got to dictate to him. Like, no, like I don't think Conte can afford to be this picky. Right. I mean, we've seen him do this with so many fringe players in the squad who, when he finally you know, has his fucking arm twisted and he actually gives them a shot, they look fine. They look good. They look useful even. And, you know, the fact that we have a process that leads to us bringing in yet another guy who Conte doesn't want is just exposes so much dysfunction between the backroom staff and, you know, how how we're executing on the pitch that I just don't know why we even want to persist with this guy as our manager, because there's, it's clearly not a holistic vision for like how this team works. So like, why are we doing any of this? It, 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 I want to stay on Dan Juma for a second. Cause this really like the more I've thought about it, the more it irritates me. Cause it really is. This is not 
bring in Nelson and Saha in that, that Harry Redknapp season. I mean, this is a quality player who we got for fairly cheap. And frankly, if we want to walk away from him because he's not good or we just don't end up liking him, like we're able to do that for basically nothing at the end of the season. And, you know, there, there's like you said, Ben, there's obviously dysfunction here because either they're not consulting with Conte or Conte's not being clear with them or someone's lying to someone. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, like, this it, getting a player like that in for the price we got him was, like, a good job by our front office. Like, under most circumstances, it's like, oh, no, that's a guy who can help you. But the fact that we won't use him, like you said, is, like, it's insane. And whether or not that's a breakdown on the front office side or the Conte side, like, if he's just not willing to use perfectly good players, this isn't like a Brian Heal or something where we don't know. Like, like Dan Juba's got a record. And he's not, like, you know, a top-tier player, but he was, like, on the Champions League, like, first 11 a year or so ago. Like, this is a talented player, especially coming off your bench. And uh, at a minimum, why is why is he not coming on before Lucas Mora? Like, that, right, that's, like, like... It feels like because Conte has no investment in the future of this side, right? Someone who was going to be here next year would care about evaluating a talent that we may have at a cut right cut rate price for next season and want to feel some of that out kind of doesn't seem to care he knows he likes lucas he doesn't give a shit about this new guy and that's what he's gonna do and like that's it and like he's a stubborn asshole who doesn't have the future of his club in mind he's just trying to play his thing the way he wants to regardless of how it works regardless of who he has to use to get it done and i'm just i'm sick of watching it and I think that I, I don't want to I want to stay on this topic because I don't want to let this pass because, you know, no, 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 no. I don't want to let this pass. This is good content. God damn it. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't want to let this this specific thing I'm about to talk about pass, which is his comments after the game, which I think are fucking inexcusable and made me fucking pissed because I don't want to hear about after this fucking Milan team, which is like not good this year, a Milan team that's like. You know, Tottenham Hotspurs won more games like last year in Europe than like AC Milan's won in a decade. I don't want to fucking hear about how many trophies Milan won after this shit. Like, you know, poor Whittle Tottenham. Like, what do you expect me to do with that? Like, if I've got one requirement for our next manager, whoever it's going to be, because Conte's probably out at the end of the year, I want someone who doesn't act like he's doing us a fucking favor by being here. I want someone who has some level of investment in the squad. Because whatever else is going on with this club, like, whatever you want to say about ownership or front office, like, a huge problem with where we are right now is – Conte doesn't want to commit long term. Now, that's fine if he just wants to be out of here. But like the fact of the matter is, like, I think that this club would have been happy to extend him at like last summer, earlier this year, uh, probably up through January. And the fact that he is just like not willing to commit now it might be because he's had a midlife crisis. That might be because he's had a shitty year with all his friends dying. That's fine. But I don't want to hear all this shit from him about how long it takes to build a winner and how you need to invest in the right players and winning doesn't come instantly. Like, fine, that's great, but you're a short-termer, buddy, and you don't want to commit to be here, and you keep acting like you're doing us a favor by being here. And if you know we were still playing like last year, maybe you'd have something of a point, even if I'd find it annoying. But the way we're playing right now, like I don't want to hear this shit from Conte, and it's really fucking irritating me. And, well, I, I mean, I, it's it's just infuriating. I, I, I absolutely agree with you, Greg. And I think, you know, it's it's not just Conte. It's been a message that, 
has been kind of, I think, overplayed by our last few managers. I think, you know, Mourinho did the same thing. You know, the Mourinho, Mourinho's whole bit was, well, look, these are the same guys that got the last manager fired. What do you think I can do with them? And, you know, and uh, Nuno, we didn't, he didn't, we didn't really have Nuno long enough for him to, like, get into that spiel. But, like, well, Nuno, Nuno knew he was going to get fired, so he just wasn't yeah. happy to be. <laughs> he at least kind of talked about it like a little bit of a project. But it's just, like, it's it's frustrating because... I guess a little bit on the one hand, I recognize that they are at least somewhat correct. Like our our transfer policy, the 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 squad structure and the way that we have, you know, like our age profile of the squad, the things that we have done, like it it is not up to kind of what some of the other clubs are doing. But we also have more money than so many of these other clubs. We have so much better players. We have Harry Kane, who is the most prolific English striker uh, of his generation. We have, you know, Christian Romero. We have Hugo Lloris. We have, um, you know, Hungman's son. Like, we're not Leicester. Like, we're not some plucky side that's overperforming. Like, we're a good fucking team. And, and I think, you know, I look at, for example what Ten Hag is doing at Manchester United and Ten Hag has come in and been like, uh, we're Manchester fucking United and we're going to win games because we're just fucking better than teams. And he's not, he's not in here talking about, well, you know what we really need is we need a process and we need to. And even though that's kind of the manager he is, he is the manager that, you know, builds a system that, that drills it into his players and that, you know, it, it grows from that. He's, embraced you know we're manchester united we're the biggest club in the country um and you know one of the biggest clubs in the world and we're gonna fucking act like it and 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 conte's not doing that at spurs and i I, i'm like you i'm over it like you know either this club is a project and you want to talk about it as a project and invest in the future and invest in development and talk about it that way and say, like, look, you know, this is unfortunate that this happened, but, you know, we're getting these guys game time and we're growing and we're moving towards this goal. That's like uh, that's that's not fun, but at least you're you're projecting forward. And so, like, I, I as a fan can get on board with that. Don't come out after the game and tell me, yeah, we're just shit. We're just not we don't have enough money. We're not good enough and we're just not going to be good enough. And like. That I I just struggle to see how that as a message is going to get anybody anywhere to buy in. I mean, that's really like a huge part of it is that like Conte just has zero message discipline. And this club is not telling a story about who they are and what we're trying to do to the fans in any way that like makes fans feel better about what we're doing. And like, you know, we like to rag on the supporters trust for like demanding answers to questions they have no business like getting answers to from the club. But at the same time, you know, the club should be managing fan expectation and fan feeling around how a season is going. And when it's going badly to stick your fucking manager up there to be like, yeah, this club is a bunch of dog shit. Like, they're lucky to have me. I can't work miracles. What do you want? Maybe in 10 years you guys could win a football game. Like, who is that serving other than Antonio Conte managing his own failures? And, like, that's not good for the club. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for anybody to hear other than 
you know, again, Antonio to be a self-serving little prick. And I'm, that's what I'm tired of is it's, you know, Greg loved to trot this out about like Tongi and Tomboy, but guy who can only be failed can never fail. And like, that is the total book on this dude. And it's just, it's tiresome. Like, it's, yeah, when, when I win, it is because I, I my genius is drag this club up when I lose. Well, it's fucking Tottenham. What do you expect? It's, right. you know, we're, we're, Tottenham is always the like, fucking punchline of so many jokes. I I don't need our manager telling those jokes too. Like, right? And like, you know what? Like, I've fucking followed this team for eighteen years. I have seen this team be fucking way better than this, Antonio. So like, what's your fucking punchline? You know, like we have won more Champions League matches in, under Pochettino than Conte's won in his entire career. Where's your fucking punchline, Antonio? Like, I, it, it's horseshit. It's. You make a good point, Ben, about the like the public face of the club. Because I think it's one thing when you have a guy like Mauricio Pochettino who has a real close relationship with the fans, and he's going to be your face of the club. Now, part of that's because things were going great, but you know, like you've got a guy who clearly appreciated Spurs and Spurs fans on a level that, like, I think has probably grown since he left, but was certainly fairly substantial while he was here, but. You know, you don't necessarily need your sporting director or your owner to be like out front and talking about the club. But the story we're telling under Conte is just this like, oh, well, you know, what do you expect? Like, you know, what can you do? You're Tottenham. And it's like he's acting like, how do you expect us to beat AC Milan? Like fucking we could have put together teams that that could have beaten AC Milan over the last decade. Like, I mean. You know, it's just, it bothers me so much. And I'm, you know, things are hard enough without him talking about what a bunch of shitheads we are. And that's why I'm just like, I'm going to be glad to see the back of him at the end of the season, which is going to be what ends up happening. And, you know, I appreciate this guy's probably had a real shitty year. Maybe he's just acting out because, you know, all his friends are dead and, you know, he's has gallbladder removed and misses his wife. That, man. It's just you make it sound so much meaner than it has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right now, I'm, right now, like I'm that. trying to make it sound mean. So, <sighs> um, but my I, point is, like, maybe this this guy's maybe had a shitty year that's made it worse than it otherwise would be. But I'm fucking tired of it, and I I just like I don't like things are bad enough as they are without him acting like this. And I'm just glad to be moving on because I think that's going to be what happens. Well, and I, I like the thing that Ben said there about about message discipline, because I think that is like an important part of being a manager at a top level club. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that we knew about Antonio Conte coming in was that Antonio Conte was concerned about Antonio Conte and the things that he wanted and, you know, how he perceived the club to be responding to his wants. I don't think any of us came into this thinking that he was a project guy and super invested. Like we, we were all a little bit waiting for the point where he would clash with Levy. So like this sort of lack of message discipline is, is not by any means a surprise to us. Um, but like, I think, I think that's what the club needs is is someone who will stick to what that message is. I mean, like, look, we all we all talk about how like tiresome like 
Jurgen Klopp is in the way that he deals with the media. And, you know, like if if something goes wrong, then the, the pitch was too hard or the ball was too flat or whatever. But he he encapsulates what the Liverpool thing is. Like, like he's very on brand with all his messaging in the same way that Pep Guardiola it's is. It's sociopathic, but it's Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was the same way with Pochettino. It was, I mean, it, it was, these are, man, eh, I don't think you necessarily need that sort of symbiotic relationship that I think what we're sort of talking about with a lot of these players, you know, like, like Klopp at Liverpool or, you know, Pochettino with Spurs or Jose Mourinho with like Chelsea. Um, but, but I do think you need like, but you need to have some level of pride. These are like we always talk about how like these are community and like these are part of a community. And I don't care if you're the manager of fucking like Portsmouth or Manchester United. I don't know why I picked Portsmouth, but like, you know, I don't care which club you're a manager of. There are people who invest their time, their money, their energy, you know, that pass this shit down from family member to family member. And like it's a source of pride for these people, no matter what club you're at. And the least you could do as a manager is transmit some of that to, to the fan base and not act like they're lucky to fucking have you. I mean, I think here's a thing that I'm kind of appreciating as we've gone through so many managers and like tried to take swings at the top names in the business. You know, it's like, I don't think Antonio Conte is too good for Spurs, but I don't think Antonio Conte needs Spurs in any way. There's nothing about this club and where we sit in the football hierarchy that makes a manager of his caliber say, I'm glad to be here. I am relishing this opportunity that they're giving me because we're not, you know, the reality is, is Antonio can get a job at any one of the biggest clubs in the world at any time. And he knows it and we know it. And that's the dichotomy or the, the relationship between us kind of forever. Um, you know, Pochettino didn't have that relationship to Spurs. You know, a club like Man U, no matter how bad they are, will never have that relationship with the manager because it's always an opportunity. It's always a big deal to get I to mean, play. I mean, Ferguson. To a degree. But, like, I mean. yeah. But I'm saying, like, if you go to manage Man U, like, even if you're Jose Mourinho, there's a level of, like, humility stepping into Old Trafford that exists that doesn't apply when they come to Spurs. And that sucks, but, like, that is a reality. And I'm not saying we need to get a manager who's, like, lucky to be here, but I do think we need to get a manager who doesn't come into this job thinking it's just a job and he's, like, too, like doesn't need this. This isn't doing anything for him. He's doing us a favor, not the other way around. Like, yeah. you yeah, want I mean, somebody... Be, well, I was just going to say, there has to be a middle ground between Nuno and this. Right. Well, I mean, I, there's great managers all over the world. Like, Klopp going from Dortmund to Liverpool is, like, a level that like would be fine for us, you know, getting a guy who's like done really well in another league or at a lower level club. But like we keep setting our sights on the prom queen and then wondering why she doesn't want to like seriously date, you know, the fucking chairman of the AV club. Like it's just, it just, and I don't mean to sell it short. Like we're a real serious club. Like we're good and we're, rich and we have a lot to offer but like so we're like these fucking student guys, council president yeah sure something not like that. not like you know we're on the football team but we're not like the quarterback we're like you know right the tight end <laughs> sure 
No, but you need someone who's like looking at this like, yeah, that's a good job that I could really do some shit in. Not just like, well, it's England and I'll make a lot of money and there's nothing better out there. Like, I mean, and they are better than like someone who like wants the opportunity to like make a name with this club. Like that feels like an accomplishment to them. They want to do. And I uh, think like if if you're making an argument and we're not going to get into this now, I think, because. It'll be something to talk about some other week. But, like, if you're making the argument of, like, why should we sell Harry Kane? A lot of the argument around that is we need money to reinvest for the next great Tottenham team. And I don't think that's the argument for selling Harry Kane. I think the argument for selling a guy like Harry Kane, to a lesser extent, Son, is if you want to build the next successful Tottenham team, it's not just about investment. It's about having a manager who's got some rope to or a runway to build that team and obviously harry kane's a great player and means a lot to spurs and frankly i I think we should try to keep him but there's a pressure to deliver immediate results with these guys who are sort of the i don't twilight of the career is probably too strong but certainly you know not in the spring of their career so you know if you get rid of a cane you could theoretically maybe get a pochettino type guy like a deserby or whoever, who you're like, okay, it might not all click the first year, but we're going to sort of, you know, let this run for a season or three just to see how it goes and, like, really sort of build something. And there's not that immediate pressure where if he doesn't win a trophy by the second year, then, fuck, there's a ton of pressure. He wants to be out. The supporters want him out, all this other stuff. Because I think that's been part of the problem is we're hiring these, like, like you said, Ben, we're hiring these prom queens. But part of the problem with that is we're expecting immediate results. And that's not always easy, even for even if these managers were good. So are you guys I mean, I mean, I think we're we're all in agreement based on what we just said, that, that Conte is not the manager of Spurs when the next season starts. Right. I don't. I think if he wanted to be here, we would say, yeah, sure. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I, I don't think he's going to be no. And then so are you guys. Pochettino in or are you just like we need a Pochettino like substance well I think before we even get to that Brian we need to ask the question do you guys think Conte should make it to the end of the season uh I guess yeah I guess the calculus you need to have is what what is most likely to win you top four yeah because we're at the point in the season now where, you know, look, if, if we had a down season where, you know, like Chelsea does from time to time, like they're doing this year or like Liverpool is doing this year where you finish eighth or ninth or seventh or whatever, like that's one thing. But we're like flirting with top four. Like it's it's I mean, we reason- are a top four club right now. <laughs> like, yeah, like we're not flirting with it. Yeah, it's reasonable that we could finish as high as third. And so like your your calculus right now with 11 games left in the season needs to be how how are we most likely to secure Champions League football next season? And I think the answer to that is Antonio Conte is still in charge. Um, You know, look, if he if if we have another three game stretch like what we just had and he continues to mouth off in the press, then you know, then all right, let's let's bounce him. But, you know, we've we've got some tough games coming up. I mean, I think we've got, you know, we've got United, we've got Newcastle, we've got um, uh, Liverpool, uh, Brighton. Like, we we don't have a cakewalk through the end of the season. And so I, I think, 
you know, Conte gives us a better chance than, you know, Ryan Mason in charge. Yeah, I think the only way you sack Conte is if we already know the next manager is Pochettino. He's not doing anything. Bring him in now with the good vibes carry you through the season, give him some time with the squad, and then he knows what he needs to rebuild going into the summer. I think that's the only reason that, like, makes sense on, you know, all the levels that you have to consider. But and, the reality is, is, like, there's nobody we're going to hire that's better than what we have right now. Like, nobody we would want is available. So there's not really an ur- like an, uh, an urgency behind sacking Conte. I, I would argue, too, Ben, it would, on top of that, which I agree with, Conte would just have to, the locker room would have to be totally gone for that to be worthwhile. Because I think, I think Brian's right. It's right now the priority is finish the season top four, set yourself up as well as you can for next year. I think it's, it's a lot like the end of Mourinho season where it's like, you just want, you want to be able to hit the ground running in the summer and you want to be able to hire who you want to hire. There's been a lot of names thrown around. Let's start with Pochettino. Uh, I, I mean, the trick with Pochettino is I don't think there's any, Anything he's done since he left Spurs that like in tells you a lot about what he would do when he came back. It's not like he's been at a club where we can see how the system has evolved or all this other stuff. He went to PSG, which I think tells you absolutely nothing about anything because that club's such a rat's nest and it's such a weird collection of players that I just don't think it tells you anything. So like I don't know. I don't know. Like there's good. I don't vibes. think those are really the questions that I have about Pochettino, honestly. Like I don't feel like there's any concern that his tactics are play style really? or whatever. Like I've got some I concern think, about him in a post Dembele world. I mean, what that looks like long term, and not just him patching holes. I mean, hey, we got more DMs than you can shake a stick at. No, I mean, I think the thing that I'm concerned with, I don't know. <laughs> that was an excellent analysis there, Ben. No, I mean, I think the thing that I'm concerned about with Pochettino is how does he work with a real recruitment system? How does he work with a director of football? How does he manage that stuff? That's the stuff that was the problem when he was at Spurs. The on-pitch stuff, generally speaking, I'm not like, oh, did his tactics get better or worse at PSG? I don't care. Did he learn from that terrible experience at PSG working with their system? And was it Leonardo? No. uh, Yeah. Leonardo left with Pochettino, I think, so. Like, what is that experience? How has that shaped him in in terms of coming back to Spurs and working with like a real back office, front office? I don't, I don't know why I keep getting that wrong. I, I think it's worth pointing out about Pochettino, whatever else you think about him. A lot of the problems I think at the end where he was burnt out. I think he wanted to go to a bigger club, and I think he gotten a little tired at the way certain things were working at Spurs. I don't think those are going to be problems if he comes back. I think he's going to be happy to be back. I think he's not going to be dreaming of greener pastures. I think we're going to have more money available to us. Now, you know, how it gets spent is another issue, but like, you know, we're not going to be cheaping out on him. So certain things, I think just by virtue of him coming back, and I think he would be very happy to be back here, will resolve themselves. I'm just, you know, it ended very poorly here, and we've seen some reports in the media that that's not, at least like within the hierarchy of the club, that hasn't all gone away. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I it feels to me like on a gut feeling, bringing him back would be a mistake because that kind of shit just doesn't work out very well. 
Um, if he'd gone to like, I don't know, Sevilla or something and been kind of successful, I might feel a little bit better about it. Um, if I had some, like a body of work to sort of judge him on, but um, I don't know, like I, I would be happy for him to be back because of vibes. And like you said, Ben, for all my like worries about him in a post, um, Dembele world, he was really stitching shit together over and over again for that last season that he was here where everyone was getting hurt and he really had to make that midfield work. And you know, I think that's worth pointing out about Pochettino that he it's possible he could make it all work, but you know, Brian, you, you look like you have something you want to say. Oh, and you're Oh perfect, no. Perfect. Um whatever. Uh no. <laughs> um I, I just I I've said it before. I'm not in favor of bringing him back. I don't I don't think that ever works out. I think, you know, like you you kind of touched on Greg, he hasn't exactly like done so well in his work since Spurs that you're like, oh, this can be a different thing or a better thing. Um, you know, I think his PSG teams had a lot of the same problems that his end of era Spurs teams had, and he also had better players. Um, you know, so I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think on the one hand, like he, he fits the bill of, of the thing that Ben is talking about where, where you say like, you want someone that wants to be here that 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 not necessarily that Pochettino needs Spurs more than Spurs need Pochettino, but that he 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 seems to embrace Spurs. He he understands the atmosphere. He understands what the, the fans want. He understands what the club wants and he he buys in. And so I get from that perspective why that's a thing that people would want. But. I just think people are kind of looking at that era with sort of the rose colored glasses of, you know, look at the results we had also look at the champions league final. Wasn't that fun. And it's just like, I remember being on the show every week with Ben and Ben being poached out for a year and a half before we fucking fired him. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> ben was like poached out when we hired him. <laughs> right. And you know, like, I this doesn't sound like me, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the other thing is, is like, you know, he he gave some young players um, development minutes in like the first year, year and a half that he was at the club. But then by the end, we were all complaining that he wasn't doing enough to pull guys through the academy. And so and that he only wanted these established players. And then and then we weren't buying players because they weren't on the list that he wanted. And like so. So, you know, there's just a lot of questions that I have and I guess I just wonder if we wouldn't be better served by trying someone else. And I don't, I don't know if that someone else is Deserby, if it's Posicoglu, if it's, um, you know, I, I don't know, some, somebody else, um, not, not a former Chelsea manager, preferably. Um, Definitely not. I don't want to hear Tuchel's name. Like, I mean, but, you know, there's there's got to be other managers that are that are out there that, you know, that that I would find interesting, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Spalletti is interesting, even though I don't know that like he's ever really, you know, his track record outside Italy. I guess he was at Zenit for a little while. Yeah, right? that just but feels it, like a weird fit, doesn't it? Like, yeah. And I mean, you know, like uh, I like the guy at Atalanta, but he's like old and never managed outside of Italy. And so that doesn't fit. And like, you know, the. You know, uh, Luis Enrique has been mentioned, um, and I don't know how I feel about that either, but it's just like, 
I think. I mean, I hated his Spain teams, but like, listen to Sid Lowe say that like he knows how to develop youth players. Like, okay, like that made me more interested. And it, and it certainly seems like you know some of the transfer signings we've been making at least recently were committing to bringing in good young players to the academy. So maybe that's a thing that makes sense. I don't. I just. I would. I if I were Spurs, I would be exhausting and exploring a lot of my other options before I came back to Pochettino. And you know, I'm not saying that we should get the what's his name, Will Still or whatever from Ream because he's the hot young name in coaching and whatever. I'm not saying we should do that just because he's like 13 games unbeaten. But like, we should look at our options and figure out what is actually going to be good for the club, be good for the players that we have. And I think also we we really have to focus on getting someone that's going to play interesting and attacking football. Yeah. And because, I mean, you know, we Levy made this whole statement when Conte comes about returning Tottenham to their DNA. And I think we were all like, really? And then we all kind of like, you know, we listened to people like Nathan on Extra Inch and some other people that were like, no, uh, you know, he does play attacking football and his teams do look good and they do score goals. And it's like, OK, well, maybe um, I, I think we just need a guy that's going to just like all out attack. Like, I, I don't know. Like, um, what's his name? Yeah, um, Fonseca. Yeah. The Fonseca, oh, but then also, right. uh, Rosa, um, or, or, or Schmidt, like Roger Schmidt. Like, I'm not saying that, but like, let's, let's do some fun, weird shit. Like, let's, let's have some, let's enjoy Spurs again. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about enjoying Spurs that we've always found is, as much as we enjoy Spurs playing well, we also enjoy Spurs winning and playing well and losing is not that enjoyable. Uh, But we haven't been doing either of those for a while. No, no, totally. And I do agree with you. Like, as much as I... Look, I've had my frustrations with Pochettino, but I love that man, and I would be happy to have him back. But I think going back to that well, like, right now, and that's your move, just feels like the exact same stopgap short-termist thinking that has got us here since firing him in the first place it's just just lurching from one quick fix to the next hoping one of them finally works and like i don't think this is it like there's a way that this reunion works and i just don't trust anything about this club's approach to make that happen Um, he would have to like if i was running if i was the dof or if I was Levy, like if we were going to bring Pochino back, we, you know, I mean, he, I would have to have a lot of assurances from him about like, well, how are you going to address these things that went wrong the last time? How are you going to approach this current squad? Like there's a lot with Pochettino who I think would like, there, like, like you said, Ben, it's, it's worth pointing out that he could do a good job. I don't think that's like out of the realm of possibility or incredibly remote, but enough went wrong. And it does smack of that sort of, you know, like, okay, this keeps the fans happy. It's a big name signing, yada, yada, yada. You know, whereas you think about like, okay, well, what's the approach to let us hiring that led to us hiring Pochettino? And, you know, maybe this is a little too obvious, but that feels to me more like hiring a Desarby or something like that um, than going after even like a Luis Enrique, who I think is an interesting hire and not someone I'm going to dismiss out of hand. But, you know, getting a guy like that in here certainly, you know, seems smarter to me. And I want to thank Chelsea for hiring Graham Potter 
so we don't have to prove to everyone that he's a fraud because he would have seemed like that kind of Pochettino-esque manager that would have made a lot of sense to bring in here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, like Brian said, I just want someone who's, like, going to try to play positive football. I don't need the Ozzy Ardiles, like, all attack all the time formations, but, you know, I just need someone who's going to try to take the game to the other opposition, try to impose our will on the other team. Yeah. I just, I, I want to be fun again. Like, we've been fun, like, in individual matches or for, like, you know, a run of three or four. I, I'd just like to be a front foot team again. Do you think we're far away from that? Yes. Because I think, no, even I mean, like, we... assume you bring in, like, a decent manager with, like, a reasonable level of transfer business over this window and the next window. Like, how far away are you? Do you th- how far away do you think we are from being a good team? We still have, well, I, I mean, I don't think we're that far away from being a good team, but I think you're far away from being a good, like, front foot, possession oriented, uh, attacking team because, like, we just lack passers, like, all over the field. We and lack so, like, sauce. We got nobody who can fucking do anything cool. I mean, and Dombele might come back, so, you sure. know. Um, well, yeah, well so. he'll, he'll bring a lot of sauce with him, all right, but it'll be on his chicken wings. <laughs> we catch up, you know, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I think um, I think we're I think we're pretty far away. I, I don't think we're far away from being a good team. But like, look, even though even the really good Pochettino teams like that was a counterattacking team like, you know, that the, the, the Pochettino like really good like Champions League run like that was a Winx Sissoko midfield where we were just kicking it long to Kane and Son. And like, you know, so so like that was not the good Pochettino team. Let's right. That, that was, but that was a good part of it. Um, but like, think about like Napoli, for example, and like, and like the way that they are good. And like, that is like, ideally what I would like Spurs to look like. We're so far from that. Uh, we are like six players and 300 million pounds from that. Is there a manager that we have been linked with where you were just like, absolutely not keep him away from this club? Steve Cooper. Steve Cooper, yeah. <laughs> God, that guy Miller, looks you're so at, You were that categorically out on Pochettino? Yeah. As your I, last I, choice I, manager? I don't know about last choice, but he's he's pretty far down the list. I, I think I am I am less interested in Deserby than a lot of people are. Because, uh, you know, I think the numbers actually tend to show that, like, Brighton are actually worse with Deserby in charge than they were with Potter. I think... Yeah, I think, those are... Not re- like there's a lot of numbers going around, and numbers sure. can tell a lot of stories. Sure, uh, like they are more fun to watch. I'll tell you like that. Graham Potter managed them for like four games this season, and they're very, relatively easy games, and they won them all. I think or like won three and drew one. So like yeah, those are tough numbers to overcome. And Deserby had like his first four games against like Liverpool, Man City, Man U, and Arsenal or something like that, and and they lost all those games. So like. It's been a very small sample, so to use numbers to tell any kind of story you want is whatever. But like since since coming back from the World Cup, they have been, I think, just fantastic to watch, and they regularly just like beat the brakes off of teams in a way that like I would just die to see Spurs do. I I think I'm still Paulo Fonseca curious, Ugh. just because like 
I, I don't know. That seemed like a good hire when when before we scared him. I mean, off. that seemed like a good hire when we were like holding our dick in July, like not like I mean, if you have I, time to plan. So like I've watched a couple of Leal games recently just because you're a sicko. Yeah, and I've just been interested. Um, they're really fun, and they don't have like great players. Like you know, Jonathan David is good, but. You know, Terrier is injured, um, you know, and they're, the rest of their guys are just okay. But they're really fun to watch. Um, I feel like it's, like it's going to be Enrique. Like, he's a big enough name who also isn't, like, like he'll sell us a story about developing youth. Yeah. I, and I don't know how I feel about him. He played, like, the body of his work is, I think, stuff that's hard to judge. Because, like, he had a really good Barcelona team with, like, Neymar, Messi, and Suarez up front. And, like, I don't know what that fucking tells you. He played for, you know, he did a lot of development with Barcelona's youth academy. And he had some, like, random, like, he was with Roma for a year. What French team did he coach, Brian? It was, like... He didn't? I don't remember him. I thought he was in France for a year. Anyway, he's... He bounced around a little bit. Then he's like at Spain, who I hated to watch, but it's also international football, and I hate every iteration of Spain. And it's worth noting that he was giving guys like Gabby a shot like before they were really getting shots at Barcelona. So, like, I mean, there's something there. You know, he likes to pass the ball, which is nice, I guess. But, like, I, it's, I think he's a hard manager to evaluate. He managed Roma, no French team. Okay. Celta. He managed Celta for a little while. Okay, that might be who I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, French-ish. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I think I think we are very far away from what a Larice and Enrique side would want to be. Um, just in terms of, like, technical ability and passing and all that yeah, sort that of stuff. Yeah, that dude better be invested if he comes here, because it's going to take a while to get some passers in that he wants. But, you know, I would like to see, like... Like we didn't talk about him much today, but I think Oliver Skip's other guys had a good couple games. And one of the things I look at with Skip is like he might be better if he had a manager who was actually fucking playing him, or we had any kind of rotation on this team. Um, you know, like so having some managers who were committed to using these guys wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I don't know. Like he just feels like let's assume that um, Paratici isn't out of a job by the end of the month. Like. He feels like the sort of right level of like celebrity hire that we would go for under him. Yeah, he does. I don't, I don't no, know. I'm too I'm long, just, to, too short termist. I'm just tired of this, you know, Daniel Levy, you know, quote unquote star fucker era. Like, I'm not, I'm not into it. Like, I liked it better when we were kind of like on the fringes, and then we were hiring guys like AVB and Pochettino, where you know. Even I like the better when was Pochettino was killing, killing the league. I liked it better when that was happening. But yeah, right. I mean, look, I you know, I think our best managerial hires have been Pochettino and Harry Redknapp, and they are not cut from the same cloth, but kind of came from similar circumstances in in their managerial career prior to us. Um, you know, and then, like it was a step up. They had done well with a, a worse team in the league, um, and like, you know, that is the thing that makes me excited about Deserby is like, I know that that model has kind of worked for us. I think um, that's why I'm excited about the the guy from Celtic, Pasikoglu. I just like, yeah, you know, 
he took a step up from I think he was managing in like Australia and Japan before, and then he takes a step up to Celtic, and he's great there. And then you know, uh, I think you know, going like Celtic to like Aston Villa doesn't make really sense to me, but like Celtic to Spurs, like maybe that's isn't that like Steven Gerrard going from winning the league with Rangers to Aston Villa to getting fired? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean that's Steven Gerrard who's not a real manager though, so you know. The thing I'll give him, and again, this is a very small sample size that I've watched. Like Celtic was legitimately impressive in Champions League this year. Like they they had some hard luck games against Madrid, but like they looked real good. And they were, I mean, there was a, I think they lost like two nil or something to Real Madrid, but like they were real good and very unlucky to have not scored a few goals themselves. Um, he'd be an interesting hire. I'm a little shocked how much like all the stat nerds seem to love a guy who coaches at Celtic. Um, you know, I mean, at least, you know, I, I want to commend you guys. We've talked about, you know, managers for like 20, 30 minutes at this point. None of us have like, you know, been like retro sickos bringing up Roger Schmidt, who's like wasting away in Portugal. So I, good I work. said his name. Brian did. I said his name. I didn't say I we should him. hire him, but I mentioned him. Oh, that's the important thing. None of us advocated hiring him then. So, right. I mean, Jesse Marsh is available. What do you guys think? I mean, Ruben Amarim. Uh, I'm interested. I mean, reuniting with Pedro back. Porro. Let's go check. <laughs> yeah, I think Ben's right. We need we need to check him out. I think we need to give you know what we we owe Roger Schmidt a, a, an evaluation too, an in person evaluation. Not. So, uh, I'm not going to Glasgow to evaluate Pasta. No, 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 no. We, uh, we're just evaluating Portuguese coaches who coach in Lisbon. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, it's it's hard. It, you know, it's dumb because, like, things aren't great with Spurs right now. And the fact that we're looking for a new manager in the summer isn't great. And I don't trust this club's processes at all. But it is a little exciting to, like, talk about, That's which is dumb and awful. And, I like, we shouldn't be talking about it so soon. But I don't know. It does, like, tickle a lizard part of my brain. I'll, I can't lie. I mean, we all have been fans long enough that we know the best part of being a Spurs fan is – the off season, the in between times, the these liminal spaces where anything is possible and you can dream about something before the rubber hits the road, and like we have to actually watch this team fucking play and disappoint us. I think we call that the Joel Matinho era. So. Yeah. What yeah. could have been? Mm. And then we open the season with like what, like Burnley or somebody like that, whoever the newly promoted side is, and then just play a boring nil nil draw. Yep. God. No. That's I think, what oh, we should happens, hire a company. So. Yeah, company, Michael Carrick, anybody. Why not? Fuck it. Jeez. Maybe we should hire Ryan Mason. We haven't mentioned him yet. Oh. So apparently he was being seriously touted by, like, that he's really grown as a coach under <laughs> um, Conte. And it's like, okay, Ryan Mason needs to go coach for like Preston North End or something before before you know, I want to say Look, he, he may be a really good manager. And and that would, of all the people in the world, that would annoy me the most. But maybe. It's worked for Arsenal, right? You know, Let's just do it here. <laughs> but, but I agree with you, Greg. Like, he should go manage somewhere, you know, in, in League One or the championship. You can't tell me that he's not qualified to coach at that level. And, you know, he's... He's learned under some great managers. I'm sure he knows a lot of stuff. But, like, go do it before we give you the job. Yes. I'm, I'm not even as skeptical as Brian is. It's just, like, yeah, we should. 
that guy needs some first team experience before he uh, is our manager or seriously considered for it. But on that note, I think it's time to wrap it up before we seriously discuss Ryan Mason as a uh, managerial candidate. Um, Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. Brian. Comrade with a Y. Brian, where can people find you with a Y? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y. You can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to follow our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for Brian, and of course for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs, please, like just for a couple more months.